We didn't start the fire. It was always burning since the world's been turning. We didn't light it, but we tried to fight it. Hear all about the fight in the danger zone. Amazing stories, incredible music, terrible singing about military history. I'm Paul. Sit back and relax if you can. If you're driving, don't even think of changing stations. You know how dangerous it is to take your hands off the wheel and your eyes off the road. Gonna take it right Thank God it's Sunday, the Shabbat, the Sabbath. But of course it's Sunday, 29th January 1933, so not the Jewish Sabbath, but the Christian one. And the less I say about anything Jewish in a nice way, the better. Anti-Semitism is pretty much a thing today. The cold bite that has been freezing Germany for a few days now still isn't really letting up. Grey, overcast day. I don't think it's going to get any brighter in a lot of ways, maybe. Today, at this very minute, Germany is leaderless. Well, Schleicher's still technically the Chancellor, but he's just keeping the seat warm for the real Chancellor, who will be Franz von Papen, perhaps? Perhaps even that man who was looking like a rank outsider just a few weeks, even a few days ago, Adolf Hitler. This Sunday, there's no time for President Hindenburg to attend church as he usually does. He's in his study, and it's only 10 o'clock in the morning. Right now, as I'm watching him, he's telling his aide, Otto Meissner, to send an urgent telegram to General Blomberg. Blomberg's in Geneva, attending the armaments talk about cutting Germany a bit of slack from all of the restrictions imposed on her at the end of World War I. Hindenburg's telegram is telling Blomberg to return immediately to Berlin and report to the President. I wonder what that's all about. While he's at it, Hindenburg is sending another telegram, this one to Schleicher, also summoning him to the president. Thanks to all of Schleicher's spies still working for him as the Minister for Defence, he's just hearing that General Blomberg will be returning to Berlin, summoned by the president. Schleicher's opinion? Blomberg is not a man to think for himself. Schleicher's wondering why he's being summoned. Blomberg's certainly not a man of my outstanding qualities, Schleicher thinks to himself. I wonder what this is all about. Workers of the world, unite! A new rally. This rally's made up of members of the Reich banner. Socialist defenders of the Republic. There aren't many of those. The Reich banner, if you don't know, is made up of the Federation of German Trade Unions, the Workers' Gymnastics and Sports Federation, and the General Federation of Salaried Employees. They say they have three million members. Look at that. They've hung a banner on the old World Palace. Let me try to read what it says. <laughs> Berlin is staying red. My estimate, there are about 200,000 of them out there. Impressive. Well, as I see it, their own problem is that they don't even have a player in this game. None of them are being considered as 
possible chancellor, this might mean that there's going to be blood in the streets. I hope not. But Berlin is just insane at the moment. Anything's possible. Pepin is still living at what is intended to be the residence of the Chancellor. When he lost that job, he never got around to moving out, and Schleicher never got the chance to move in, and never will now. But at this moment, the man who most wants to be Chancellor, Adolf Hitler, is there meeting with von Papen, looking to find a way for him to get his wish. Goering's with Hitler. Hitler would have made a great tennis player, that is, if he ever got physical. He never takes his eye off the ball. I've noticed that. What he wants today, he wanted back in July last year. He has to be the Chancellor. Wilhelm Frick, the head of the Nazi party in the Reichstag, has to be the Interior Minister. Goering has to be the Interior Minister for Prussia. That's all Hitler wants. I have to say, that seems very reasonable. All Papen is asking for is to be Vice-Chancellor and the Commissioner for Prussia. You know why he wants that other gig in Prussia. Remember I told you, if he gets that office, Goering will be under him. So, under his control. Smart guy, von Papen. No one pulls the wool over his eyes. Hitler's been thinking about this, though, since last July, and now that it seems to be getting close to reality, becoming Chancellor, that is. Since a few days ago, when it looked like he might possibly become the Chancellor, he wants elections. He wants elections held as soon as possible, after he's made the Chancellor. Well, that's a change from Schleicher, who didn't want any elections. And Hitler's saying that he wants an enabling act passed by two-thirds of the Reichstag. Why? Well, it has to be passed by two-thirds of the Reichstag if it's going to give Hitler extraordinary powers. But what is it all about? What superpowers is he wanting and why? Schleicher's at the Ministry of Defence. He has some very senior generals with him. They want to stage a coup. Arrest Hindenburg and stop von Papen or Hitler from becoming the Chancellor. Schleicher's saying definitely not to that idea. He's still the Minister of Defence and the army is still under him. He still has a lot of power. It's the afternoon. This is turning out to be a long Sunday. Hitler's at Goebbels' place now. Goering bursts in. Everything is going to plan, mein Führer. You should be appointed Chancellor tomorrow. Hitler and Goebbels stand up. Hands are being firmly shaken amongst all three of them. Theatrical bunch, these Nazis. Papen's still actively playing the game. The troublesome Hugenberg has arrived at his place, along with two other leaders. Papen is saying to Hugenberg that he'll be the Minister of the Economy and Agriculture for Germany and Prussia. That will make him a super minister. This appeals to Hugenberg's inferiority complex. Pepin is feeling pleased with himself until some of his supporters say, Don't do it! Hitler's a fanatic! 
happened to be surprised at their lack of faith in him to control this little weasel. What do you want? I have Hindenburg's confidence. In two months, we'll have pushed Hitler so far into a corner that he will squeak. General Kurt von Hammerstein Eckward, commander of the German army, turns up at the Kaiserhof Hotel. He's meeting with Hitler. He's telling him that the army wants Schleicher back as Chancellor. That boat has already sailed and has disappeared over the horizon, but there is an or else in what the general is saying. Or a coup? Is that what he's threatening? Now that the general has left, Hitler looks shaken. Kurt von Hammerstein Eckward is heading back to the Ministry of Defence. On the way, he picks up Werner von Alvensleben. He's a power broker on the conservative side of politics. Now the general, Werner and Schleicher, are talking, but I can't quite hear what they're saying, whisperings. While this is going on, Hitler and Goering are still meeting at Goebbels' home. They're sharing a meal now. The doorbell rings. Goebbels opens the door to stare into the face of Werner von Evensleben. He comes in. I'm here to let you know that the army is preparing what to do if the new government is not to their liking. He leaves without any response to what he has just said. It's definitely looking more and more like there's going to be a coup. After he's gone, Goebbels then tells Hitler and Goering not to believe this nonsense. Schleicher hasn't got the balls. Just in case, Goebbels has the head of the Nazi stormtroopers in Berlin, Graf von Heldorf, take measures. What does that mean? Goering phones Papen and then Meisner. Is the army going to stage a coup? This is the story that Hindenburg himself has already heard. Hindenburg had confronted Schleicher with it a few days ago. Schleicher had denied it. But is he going to raise the Potsdam garrison and take Hindenburg prisoner? A strong man like Hindenburg, when confronted with a threat, can be counted on to push back and not bend. Papen knows that his time to move to get Hitler appointed has arrived now. He goes and visits Hindenburg to tell him about the cabinet. There are a few gaps. Papen lies when he says that the Centre Party might want the position of the Justice Ministry. The truth is that the Centre Party doesn't want to be part of a government with the Nazis. And Hitler has no intention of sharing power with anyone. Everyone knows that Papen's lying. He's not telling Hindenburg that Hitler will have a majority. But then again, he's not telling him that he won't. He's hoping that Hindenburg is tired of all of these power games and wants to offload the burden that he's had to carry for so many months now onto someone else's shoulders. Do you remember Reinhold Quartz of the DNVP? Well, he's feeling thrilled that he brought down Schleicher's government. Now he's looking at the possibility that his party will be in bed with the Nazis. 
he realises that if his party joins up with the Nazis, they're going to have to harness Hitler. Talk to anyone in politics at the top in Berlin right now, and they'll tell you the same. Hitler is just going to be the puppet for someone else anyway. No way, no how, are the Nazis going to have any real power. Hitler, Goering and Goebbels are still up. It's five o'clock in the morning on Monday, 30th January, 1933. Is the army going to seize control of Germany by a coup? Uh, at last, the lights are being turned off and they're going to turn in. Well, the pacing up and down that Hitler's been doing for the last few hours isn't going to change a thing. If there's going to be a coup, it's probably going to happen today, Monday, 30th January, 1933. It's seven o'clock in the morning and Theodore Duisterberg is banging on von Papen's door. Von Papen opens the door. He says to Duisterberg, If we don't have a government by 11 o'clock, the military will act. We're facing a Schleicher and Hammerstein military dictatorship. Okay, serious stuff, if it's true. Does Papen believe what he's saying? I'm not sure that he does. I think he's just trying to panic everyone into finishing the deal to put Hitler in as Chancellor and, more importantly, him as Vice-Chancellor. Justerberg asks Papen where he heard that from. Papen, cool as a cucumber, says, From Hindenburg's son. Justerberg crosses the street. There's a soldier on guard outside the front door to Oscar von Hindenburg's apartment. Is it too late? Has the coup already happened? No, it's just the regular guard that he always has. Oscar comes out of the door. Can't stop he says to Justerberg. He's off to the railway station to meet General Blomberg, who will soon be arriving. Hindenburg has told Oscar to get the general and bring him straight back to meet with the president. Oscar arrives at the station to be greeted by a major sent by General Hammerstein. The major's orders are to bring Blomberg directly to meet with Schleicher to find out what he's doing in Berlin. The train pulls in. Blomberg steps off, looking up and down the platform. The Major, sent by Schleicher and the generals, tries to hustle Blomberg. Hurry, I have a car waiting, he says. Oscar steps in front of him. Come with me, the President is waiting to see you. Oscar outranks the Major, plus he represents the President. So it's a no-brainer for Blomberg. He's going with Oscar to meet the President. Oscar is arriving at his father's residence now to meet President Hindenburg. He is telling the President about the, inverted commas, fight at the station to see who would get General Blomberg. They must be almost ready to stage the coup, Hindenburg says. No time to lose. Just after nine o'clock, President Hindenburg swears in General Werner von Blomberg as the new Defence Minister. To say that this will come as a surprise to General Kurt von Schleicher is an understatement. He is counting on still having that power at least. And now he has none. Meisner now telephones Schleicher. 
What a shock for him. And with just a few words, that last bit of power that Schleicher had is gone. Blomberg tells Oscar that he'll go to the Defence Ministry. I wouldn't do that if I was you. They will arrest you, Oscar warns him. Our American communist cousin, Abraham Plotkin, is with Wilhelm Furtwängler from the Federation of German Trade Unions. Abrams asks him whether Hitler is going to be appointed as the Chancellor. Knowingly, Furtwängler laughs (laughs) at that suggestion. The Americans know nothing of the subtleties of German politics. My dear friend, Hindenburg would sooner resign than appoint Herr Hitler as Chancellor. It's white weak. Does that sound a little racist? Well, in Germany today, racism is a good thing, isn't it? But what white week is, is what the Germans call the sales at the end of January, when the department stores are holding their annual winter sales, offering big discounts on white pillowcases, white sheets, white towels, white rugs, etc. But for some in Berlin, all they can see is red, red for rage, not red for communists. At the Ministry of Defence, Schleicher's State Secretary, Erwin Plank, is on the phone with Schleicher's Finance Minister, Schwerim von Krosik. He tells him, Hitler has broken off negotiations. He's probably left Berlin and heading back to Munich. Hindenburg has summoned von Papen. He's going to be sworn in as the new Chancellor. That is unthinkable. No sooner does von Krosik hang up than his phone rings. It's the office of the President. You are to come to the office of President Hindenburg for 11. You will be officially reappointed to the office of Finance Minister. Von Krusig gets his question in quickly before the staff member of Hindenburg hangs up the phone. But who is to be Chancellor? Just be here. As soon as Krusig hangs up, he picks up the phone. Who's he calling, I wonder? Hello, it's Sherin. Has the President's office called you? It's Freyfrau von Neurath, the Foreign Minister. Yes, they have. But I will not serve under von Papen. Krusik answers. I couldn't agree more. Krusik hangs up again. He picks up again straight away, and now he phones von Papen. Von Papen still cool as a cucumber. Pay no attention to the rumors, my dear friend. You don't have to fear me becoming Chancellor again. That honor is going to Herr Hitler. He and his cabinet are as good as sworn in. Hard to believe. Is Hitler going to become the new Chancellor? Should we be worried? Thanks for joining me, Paul, in the Danger Zone. If you liked this program, you'll definitely love my other program, C-Y-K-I-A-E.